You're listening to the Australian Hunting and Beyond podcast with Matt. And me, Cody Gearin. Where we talk about hunting, shooting, fishing, camping, and everything else that the great outdoors has to offer. Let's get into it. G'day and welcome to another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. Today we have a great guest and a great follow-up episode to um, Australian Hunting and Beyond Podcast with Matt. So if you're coming over from listening to the first episode, welcome to the second. If you haven't listened to the first episode, jump over to Australian Hunting and Beyond Podcast, listen to that episode, and then welcome back. Matt, how are you going? Man, I'm good. It's been a whole minute since we spoke last, but I'm keen. Let's get into it. (laughs) So let's jump straight into it. Where are you from for listeners who haven't listened to your podcast? Mate, I'm in a fantastic spot for hunting, and by that I'm being super sarcastic. I'm in Sydney, so uh, it's very – I guess I've always grown up here, so it's a bit of an issue in the connections to be able to hunt, especially I don't come from a range of hunters. So coming from – I've moved out currently and live in Camden, so it's a bit better because we're a bit more farm and, and a bit rural, but uh, I've always just grown up in suburbia in yeah. Sydney, and, yeah, it's been – been a learning curve i far i just geez i much more enjoy being out in the bush and being out country than i do in in a city that's for sure yeah that's it i I definitely know the feeling being in uh, adelaide here i'm a bit closer to the bush and you know my closest property is only you know 20 minutes away so it's 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 pretty good on that aspect but um for people that don't know what do you do for work man mate i'm a teacher so I've, uh, I've probably jumped in and out of a few different careers, to be honest, but uh, I've been teaching for the last 10 years. I'm a head teacher at a, uh, at a high school, so uh, yeah, I do PE teaching. So yeah, cool. I've always had a, a passion for fitness and health and, and the like. So it's a um, yeah, it's great gig, love my job, love the fact of getting to sort of help shape young minds and, you know, I wouldn't want to do anything else as far as – I'm aware that's out there, you know, but maybe a new job in the future when it's uh, everything changes up as it rapidly is nowadays. Yeah, beautiful. Did you always want to get into teaching from finishing high school or? Oh, look, I had two things that I really wanted to chase. I uh, One was teaching, being a PE teacher, and the other was going into the army. And um, so I've been lucky enough to do both, which was fantastic. And, yeah, I, I love teaching. It's just you know, the holidays are fantastic. I'm not going to lie, but the being able to, you know, go and just every day is different. And PE is such a great subject. It's just such a, you're imparting skills that people are going to use throughout their life and not putting other teachers down and other subjects, but you know, I've never used Shakespeare. So, you know, when I sat in those English classes and they were talking to me about that rubbish, I just, it, it meant nothing. But when I talk about PE teaching and when we, going through it with students it's something that i know the skills whether it be road safety or whatever they're going to use every day of their life and for me that is such a win knowing that they're going to be able to do those things yeah i, I can understand what you mean my, my PE teachers were always always up there even though i wasn't the sporty type i never never liked sports um my PE teachers were always up there same with like agricultural teacher um 
home education. So like my cooking, cooking teacher and all of that. So all those practical skills, those teachers always stuck with me rather than, you know, English and maths. And <laughs> well, you use them, don't you? I mean, at the end of the day, uh, if you did ag, you hopefully know how to grow your own produce. If you, you know, if you did home ec, you know how to cook. They're valuable skills that doesn't matter what job you do after school, you're going to be able to just grab them and use them. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So let's jump on to where this all started for you. How did you get into hunting and fishing in the outdoors? So my old man is a diehard fisherman. And so we grew up and we had a, I guess, similar to most Aussies. And I had to laugh because I saw a, an episode of Bluey uh, talking about going to the caravan park all summer and, and, you know, running around to the lights came on and all that. And it just, it, it is what my childhood was all about. So we had a, uh, a caravan that was on site permanently down the South Coast and uh, down near Ulladulla. And that pretty much was where we spent nearly three months a year. So every school holidays, uh, the Christmas holidays for the whole six weeks or five weeks, whatever it was. And that was where I, I guess, got the love for being in the outdoors. And I have to credit my old man for that because he, as I said, diehard fisherman, but also a spear fisherman. And he just exposed us to that lifestyle. So, you know, I remember that from the earliest time being you know, having a rod and reel in my hand or, um, you know, as soon as I can, I was just hanging to get in the water so I could spearfish and get my own rail gun. And, and that was such an exciting time for me to be able to do those. And they're memories that I just cherish and go, I want my kids to have that as well. And, um, yeah, so I started with fishing and then Beautiful. when into spearfishing and better than just getting your own fish and food. And then I got to the age where I was sort of leaving home and really I'd always been fascinated with shooting and just, I guess that then really grabbed me and I did try a little bit of shooting. I was sort of had a bloke from work that he had his license and I got my license and went to the range a few times and loved it. And, and then I guess that was amplified then by the army. I thoroughly enjoyed the shooting components there. And then, yeah, since then it's just been, I, I thoroughly enjoy shooting a rifle. I love the, I love everything about it. The technical, the gear, the, all the different elements that can impact the bullet and you, you name it. Right. And then, I had this epiphany in about 2019 that, hey, we've got deer here. Wow. Like, how good's that? I want to hunt these things because I've had venison and I love venison and we've got an opportunity to be able to, to hunt them and eat them. What a win that is. And that's really where I, I just went, hey, I'm going to throw myself into to deer hunting. Not successfully, might I add, because I still haven't got one. But that's okay. I'm still working towards it. But, but but before then, I did do a lot of sort of varminting and things like that. And I love that too. So it's just there's so many elements. That's what I love about hunting and shooting. There's just so much to it. I don't think you could ever get bored. Yeah, that's it, man. It's a, such a deep rabbit hole once you get into it. And there's so many different little components, whether, you know, you go out spotlighting with friends for rabbits hares foxes if you have the right permits kangaroos um then you get into the day stalking type of stuff for deer and you know even 
day shooting and calling foxes, you know. You had an episode where you had, uh, I can't remember the, the call's name, but you had the fella that makes the calls and he's just talking oh, about yeah. the... Paul from H2K Hunting H2K. Calls. That was, that was how a, fascinating was that? It was a great episode, you know. Um, but, yeah, just that, you know, calling in the animal aspect side, whether it hurts rabbits like hares you can call in hares with with distress calls foxes you can call deer in and then you got the duck side of stuff as well um and then yeah you got the wing shooting you've got there's yeah so many so many rabbit holes bow hunting bow fishing as we we spoke about on on your podcast earlier it's just such a massive massive rabbit hole <laughs> I think the biggest one for me is trying to find out which one just to solely focus on because there's just so much and it's so fun that I can't, even deer, I can't just say, hey, I only want to hunt deer because I don't. Yeah. There's all these other things. I found myself the other day, I was in the state forest hunting deer and I shot a rabbit. And, you know, (laughs) it probably isn't the best thing to do when you're out trying to find a deer (laughs) by letting off the rifle, but. For me, it was just I, there's so many different elements, and you could spend a lifetime. I wish I had multiple lifetimes to be able to do all of it because there's just so many cool things to to go down. As you said, that rabbit hole and try and become an expert and learn as much as you can about all these different avenues. Yeah, that's where I get scared to you know start looking at duck hunting and stuff like that because deer hunting takes up so much of my time and just normal hunting, in, you know, in the cooler months and then you know summer months start and it's bow fishing and kayak fishing for me. Um, you know, you spoke about spear fishing um, after having Mitch on and a couple of earlier of my episodes, I had a few few other spearos on, and that's kind of lit lit a fire for me to start looking into you know getting out and spearing you know we went to a local beach yesterday it's a long weekend here at the moment and um or not a local beach but a beach two hours away from us and i uh bought a a hand spear earlier this week and took the snorkeling gear out with me and just had a paddle around looking for fish you know um shot a flathead with a with a spear gun with a couple mates you know this is probably eight-ish years ago so it kind of lit a fire then but i never jump deep into it just because all my spare time at the time was bow fishing or bow hunting so yeah i've kind of got a little bit of fire there after chatting to mitch and dave and um liam in earlier episodes so it's always just been hanging there so over these summer months i reckon i'll i'll be dedicating a couple mornings on uh, going out for a dive <laughs> man it is just so good being in the water and you know, I, I love it. And it's the same sort of thing. You can get as technical as you want to it. Like I've had reef guns and pneumatic guns. They're a different level too because you don't have any rubbers and they go off compressed air and they just look like this barrel of a shotgun sort of thing that you're using. And, oh, man, there's just so many different types. And as I said, the Hawaiian sling or hand spear, they're, it's so much fun. And anything that gets you out in the wilderness and is also giving you meat, what a win. So yeah, whether it be it. spear fishing, fishing, hunting, manacle. Yeah, that's that's something that we I I forgot to touch on on in, in your podcast with the bow fishing side of stuff. Um, you said that it got legalized in New South Wales, which is 
not true that it only just got legalised. You used to be able to saltwater bowfish in New South Wales and it was the same regulations as spearfishing over there. Um, ah. But when they brought in the freshwater side, they scrapped the saltwater side, which is absolutely devastating because you could go out and chase stingrays and sharks and stuff like that. Anything, you know, that you could get in those shallow tidal waters, you know, as long as you're following the spearfishing guidelines, um, you used to be able to do, but now you're only restricted to carp these days. Okay, when was that? I've never even heard of that, so that's that's cool to know. So it was up until the it was up until they brought in the trial period. As soon as they brought in that trial period, they scrapped the saltwater side of things. There you go. Which I had absolutely no absolutely idea. devastating. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it's it's funny, isn't it? Like, and this is the thing where sometimes you just don't hear about these things or know about them. Like I. Man, I was all over spearfishing for such a long time. I literally had no idea you could hunt with a bow in salt water from a boat because, geez, that would have been super easy for a lot of the stuff that I did. Um, could you do it in lakes and estuaries? No, I believe it was whatever the spearfishing okay. rules are in New South Wales so was, was the exact, exact same. same. Yeah, you can't so, do it in lakes and estuaries. Yeah. Okay, cool. Good to know, but um, disappointed we lost that. Like a lot of a lot of things that happen nowadays, I think we, we seem to be losing uh, ground on a few different hunting elements. Yeah, it seemed like you gained ground, but then as soon as they took away that saltwater side, it sucked because, you know, here in South Australia, we can only bow fish fresh, like freshwater, backwaters for carp. You know, stingrays, sharks, that's always been a massive bucket list item for myself. And then there's a bloke in New Zealand, um, Joel, he's been shooting snapper off the rocks with his bow. So he burlies up on the rocks and the snapper come up and he's been shooting them with his bow. I'm like, Oh, that would just be so much fun. You know, especially like places where you can get kingfish and, you know, all the different sharks, Queensland, you can still bowfish saltwater and same as uh, NT and WA, I'm pretty sure, which is great. But yeah, jumping onto things, gear run through. What, what type of gear are you taking out on a hunt with you? A rifle, bow, what, what rifle are you running? What bow are you running? Um, backpacks, bino harness, all of that type of stuff. Oh, my, um, I've got a couple of different rifles, but my go-to at the moment is my Weatherby Vanguard. I've got the Meat Eater Edition. In yeah, beautiful. Eight. So nice rifle. I don't like not having a magazine. So I'm in that, I guess I'm in that moment at the, I'm sitting here going, do I trade it and sell it? Because when I, I predominantly hunt state forests, as we've spoken about, and when you're going in exclusion zones, et cetera, you've got to take everything out and it is a real pain in the backside, you know, when you've got to drop out the sort of floor plate and, and take out just, and then top load, it's a bit annoying. So on the other hand, I've got my ticker T3X in 243 that I've had Cerakoted and it's got the camo stock. And I love that thing. It's just, if we, if I had to pick between the two different rifles, the ticker is winning every day of the week. So I'm really considering selling it the Weatherby at the moment and getting a, a ticker or maybe even a Lithgo. Um, I'm not sure. I'm waiting for their new models to come out. They've got a Hunter, so it's a bit lighter. Um, that's something that really makes me sort of perks my ears up and gets excited about that. So that's currently the two sort of main center fires that I'm running. Um, 
from a bow, we sort of spoke about this on mine, talking about I've started with a target bow. So I'm running the Diamond Medalist Elite. And okay. um, it's it's a great bow. Like it's it's a little heavy and, you know, I've got, I've got it in all black just to get my form ready. And I'm not bow hunting massively because I'm still focusing on the rifle. But the big reason for me to get into bow hunting was the fact that we've got a state forest that's a weekday bow one that's an hour away. Because other than that, I'm traveling a lot further to get to a, a decent state forest with the rifle. I've just come back from a hunt and it's a four and a half hour journey down to the state forest there. So for me, just having a young family and just, just having twins, they only just hit the year mark. Um, that was a real tough journey because they, um, you know, we don't really have too many support sort of people around us and my family don't live here in the state and, and whatnot. So it was all us. So the the chances to get out were very, very limited. So that was where I sort of went, I'm going to get into bow hunting. It's something that I've always wanted to do, but I was under no illusions that it was going to be as easy as hunting with the rifle, that's for sure. But just the fact of being able to get out in the bush and being 55 minutes away is a win compared to four and a half hours away because I can do it in a day, not leave the family too long and, and the like. Um, the other gear, what am I running? I'm running a um, my binos. I'm running Vortex. I love the crossfires that I've yep. got. They are such good gear uh, in a Hunter's Element um, bino harness. Beautiful. Thoroughly like that. That's a, a great. Um, tried a few different other bino harnesses, but um, the the one I, the, I really like the fact that it's just the magnet, really easy to clip open, nice and silent. Um, I, uh, I was, I was using the twin element one for a little bit, but they've got zips. And what I found is when I was leaning forward, the actual binos would come out and, and open the magnetic because I think they rely on those zippers and you don't yeah. want to be running them up and down, especially, you know, when you're close to deer and the like, um, so running them, they're great. Uh, my backpack now, some people might laugh at me here but i run a duda uh, backpack which is a hiking pack okay a lot more padding just heaps more comfort i thoroughly enjoy that yes it's not camo yes it's you know not probably what most people would run but for me really comfortable easy to to get everything in great on a pack out um just real simple and and one thing i love using that is i run the maroka 30 um, sling the QR zero sling, so you can just walk around, not hold anything. Jeez, it's good. Just yeah. makes life so good walking around, having your hands free if you need to. And I'm loving at the moment using my tripod. Um, just so good. So I love because I've got that hand free now. I'm happy to take the the shooting sticks out with the tripod. I've got the Ridgeline speed stick. It's great. Taking that, just so much more confident taking a shot because you can just put it there. Whether you use it as the just quickly and just, I have it set up at the right height so I can just stand there bang or then set it up as a tripod if I want to actually do a bit of a sit and wait. And so, mate, yeah, thoroughly enjoying those. Um, and that's – I run, look, I run a few different things depending on the, what I'm doing at that stage. Yep. I've got a Hunter's Element, the bum bag. Yep. Um, man, I thoroughly enjoy that when it's a smaller, you know, a couple-hour trip, half-a-day trip. I know I'm not going to cover it. Or if I'm going to cover a lot of ground scouting, I like to use that because I can put all the first aid gear in there and and run that comfortably. It doesn't weigh me down. Um, not as big and bulky, but yeah, it, it just depends on the circumstance. No, that's awesome. Uh, what what about arrow and broadhead combo? What what are you running on on that side of things? 
Mate, I'm pretty not super technical with the bow stuff. So I'm shooting. I bought it secondhand and I got the um, the arrows, which are a carbon something. I'm not even 100% okay. sure. That's fine. Um, broadhead, I'm just running a 125 grain. Uh, what's it called? Uh, I can't even think of what it's called. It came in a cool little flashing light combo and I just went, this this looks good. I'll grab these ones and check them out um, because they're just the the fixed. Is that the Oz cuts? Is that? That sounds familiar. Yeah. You're the bow guy, man. So, yeah. No, as soon, I think as, it as, soon the, as you said flashing lights, I reckon that's. Yeah, um, I think Oz cut sounds right. Nick then, Morton's um, Oz cut. Uh, he's a Australian company. So, yeah. They're, it they're, is. Yeah, it yeah. was Australian. So, it probably is Oz cut. Yeah. They're really good. I, yeah, they're I great. They, they, they come out really good. And I heard good things about them. I do believe that you're probably right. It is Oz cut. Um, so, just running them, they've been, you know, really good. Uh, I've, I've loved shooting them and. And um, what I've found is they're just so – it's just repeatable what it was, What I really liked with them. Are they the two-blades or the three-blade Oscars? Just the two. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, yeah beautiful. I've just found – yeah, I found they're just sharp out of the box. Really just – it's a set and forget sort of thing. And, and even their flight path, I've just found really accurate. Like when you're shooting, they're just – there's not the discrepancy and I was listening to the Vortex Nation podcast on different broadheads and they were talking about so many disparities between things and I just went, this one's, from my experience, has been really good. I'm very confident shooting at, you know, 30, 40 metres and getting the same result every time using them, which I think is important. Yeah, well, they've been developed by, you know, Nick's out in the hills every spare minute, you know, they've been developed by him and his mates and his team. And, you know, a lot of hours have been put in behind those broadheads. So they're definitely, definitely a great, great bit of kit. Um, so yeah, another, another Australian broadhead um, company to check out. If you haven't checked them out, they're a pretty, pretty well known, known company. So they also do the Nexus shafts as well, um, which are, a really good good shaft for people who are looking at getting different shafts. Um, also, when just jumping back to what you said about having a hiking backpack, that's that's fine. What people don't realize, you don't need to have the best of hunting gear. You can get in with a, you know, if you go to Marketplace and get a hiking pack off of there secondhand, and as long as you make the adjustment so it fits you comfortably, that's, that's fine. I've got this funny thing where my even my boots i run merrells and i run the moabs and they're the number one sold hiking boot worldwide they are just super comfy and i sometimes have this perception that that's their bread and butter product so when you're talking about just hiking packs if that's their speciality and they don't do anything else I sort of feel that the tech and the research and development and the actual product is going to be fantastic and the same as the boots. And, and like, I'll, I don't think I'll ever buy anything other than the Merrill Moabs. Like I love them and they just last forever, do everything that I want. And I've got multiple pairs, whether it be just a hiking pair or the one that I use just when I go hunting, because it's a bit more leather and, and a bit protection for snakes. But um, yeah, that's just been one of my things is that, you know, it doesn't need to be hunting gear per se. And is it just 
you know, I, I do sometimes have that little bit of a perception is a hunting company just doing that because it's a space in the market that they're not throwing a heap of stuff into it. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but that's just a, a perception I've had. Yeah. So I'm running hiking boots as well. I'm right, running the oboes. Um, I've, you know, I'm on my second pair of them over the last seven years, I think. And they've done great. You know, I've ran the cheaper morels and stuff like that as well. You know, they, they lasted all right. The thing I've found with, you know, yes, hiking companies cater to the hiking side of stuff. But, you know, when it comes to hiking, they're doing, you know, it's mostly track stuff, you know, they're trails where hunters, we tend to get off trail. We tend to be a bit more rugged and rough on gear. So I tend to find that the stuff that's created for hunters by hunters tends to be a bit tougher because it's catering to those to those conditions. Yes, it might not be as light as the hunting gear, but it's a bit more rugged for that that extra durability when it comes to getting off the track. Yeah, fair call. And look, I wouldn't take my Moabs, um, the stand ones off. I use the the um, oh, not the Adventurers as my my go to for off track because I find they're just a bit thicker. And I I've had no issues, and they've clocked up a lot of k's out there. So, but um, I think that's the thing. As long as you're getting stuff that you're confident in the equipment, because I've grabbed equipment both from from everybody, and sometimes I just go, I'm not that keen on this. And then you have an issue. So it's when you're happy with the gear and you feel confident and comfortable, I always find that's the biggest win. Yeah, that's the best thing. If you're looking at gear, go find some mates, like catch up with some other hunters and check out what they have. And then you can get an understanding of what the gear actually is like before you make the purchase. Because a lot of this big hunting brand gear, you can't just go into a shop and check it out. You have to purchase it offline. So if you can find someone in your local area that actually has that gear and you can give it a, you know, go for a walk around the block with it, you know, um, if it's a pack, chuck a bunch of weight in it and go for a walk, you know, you're, you're able to test it out before you buy. And that's probably like the beauty of having these hunting clubs, ADA and all of that is you've got all these different people who have all this different gear. You can check this stuff out. Yeah, you're right. And the other thing there is that I always, I love, you know, researching and, and looking at reviews and things like that, but you've really got to check out if they're sponsored or they're, you know, there's a, an influence there, whether subliminally or not, that they're promoting a product that they might not actually 100% feel that way about that product because they have to. Yeah. And that's one thing like Aussie reviews and things like that. I loved, love what he does because he, he isn't affiliated with anyone. So he gives that genuine product review. And I've seen other people that go talk something up and I've got the product and gone, that's, a, you know, I'm not that happy with that product, but they've said it's the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah, but that's the thing, you know, you could think something's amazing and the next person comes along and it's not going to suit how that, what they want as well. Yeah, so even if they're brand supported, it doesn't always mean that they're, they're just talking it up for the sake of it. They might be really behind it. It's just that it's not that going to cover your your needs for what you want or what you're quite looking for as well. So that's yeah, another thing. And you might have a product that you actually you're associated with that you actually love too. So again, everything I'm saying is with a grain of salt is that 
it's it's one of those things that I like to research and go, hey, is this a good bit of gear? And is it a good bit of gear for me? As you, You're exactly right. It might be great for someone else. And for me, it's just I don't find it doing the job that it needs to do. Yeah, 100%. If you can, you know, chuck something up on a Facebook page and find, you know, 10 different people that are running it, you know, eight people might love it, two people might hate it, you know. You know what it's like running, uh, you run fallow... Fellow Hunters Australia or no. Yeah, yeah. Fellow Deer Hunters Australia. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you know what it's like when people are asking gear questions on there. Some people get lit up for asking if this is good and some people say it's absolutely amazing, you know. <laughs> well, it's all subjective, isn't it? At the end of the day, something you might rave about and love and you might not be lying. You might be honestly feeling that way. But it's like how long is a piece of string because – that everyone has a different opinion on what they like and what they use. And, you know, camo is the perfect example. 100%. There's so many different types and so many different people rate different things because of different reasons. And, you know, at the end of the day, is it doing the job you want it to do? And are you happy with that product? And that's as long as you're happy with the product, you can't complain about that. But asking, hey, I do love those Facebook posts when people go, guys, I want some advice. And it's just like wrong place because you're going to get a hundred different answers. Like you really need to, as you said, go to maybe a club or jump on YouTube and, and find people that you respect or like the way of their style about what they're talking about and, and hit them up as the, the go-to source. And also for people that don't know that are listening in your Facebook groups, you've got a little search bar Click that search bar and just type in what you're looking for first because the question you're asking has probably been asked before. So there's going to be multiple posts there for you to scroll through and read the answers for before you jump on. That's, that's People seem to be unaware of that that little search bar. Oh, that one and the other ones when they type F for yeah. following and you just, like, just hit the three little dots up there and say, turn on notifications. You don't have to write F. <laughs> but, it, it, it gets frustrating. Uh, what would be your top beginner tip for someone getting into hunting? Oh, geez. Top beginner tip research is, you know, I probably am a person that, is all about the research before going out and just doing something. And I know a lot of people say, just get out there, just get out there. But I sometimes think, oh, I don't know about that because if you're going out into a state forest and you're not competent in using your GPS, it's very easy to get turned around and lost. So for me, researching, making sure you know how to use it, that you practice using it prior to getting out, that's, that's a big one. I'm all about safety. And making sure people are safe before they do anything. At the end of the day, no one wants to die for a deer. Like as much as I love hunting, I don't want to die for hunting. Yeah, that's and it. maybe there are people out there that want to do that, but that's definitely not me. So for that, for that beginning, things can go wrong very quickly. So my first one would be be competent and confident in first aid and doing it for yourself um, because it's very different applying first aid to somebody else than to yourself. So that's that's one for me. And knowing your equipment back the front, knowing what it does, how it works. Like I've just got some new tourniquets. Um, they're fantastic. But 
I don't want to have to use them for the first time when something's gone wrong. I want to practice using yeah. them and, and make sure that you know how. So for me, it's just that learning and, and applying and researching before. And I'm not saying from the hunting perspective, I'm not talking about go out and, you know, researching what deer prints look like because that's not a safety issue. I'm, I'm talking more about the things to be safe and to make sure you're going to get home so you can do it again. You, I don't want to see people go out there have a really bad experience or something that they that goes wrong and we might not lo- we might lose a hunter you know on a previous podcast not my current one is we had a bloke that got you know rescued had to get airlifted off a mountain nice. and that came to that came off the back of just not being up to speed knowing what to do and some really basic things that could have been done properly by himself and also the person that was sort of you know guiding him too and that for me, that could have all been avoided. And, you know, thankfully he still has a passion for hunting and wants to get back out there, but it could have gone well and truly wrong. So, you know, it, I'm glad he was safe and it all worked out. But, you know, sometimes that doesn't happen too. A lot of experienced people sometimes don't come back too. So it's something that, yeah, that would be my big one is be confident in your gear, know how to use it and at all times be safe. Yeah, 100%. I 100% agree with you. You know, these things happen. These stories pop up. You know, there was a girl, I'm not sure if you've seen it, in America, Louisiana. I think she's got 16 struck by lightning lightning in a tree stand. You know, devastating. These things are going to, sadly, they sometimes happen when you're out in nature. Um, It's just crazy stuff. But, you know, knowing first aid and carrying you know first aid equipment on you or epurbs and stuff like that the amount of people that don't carry that type of stuff on them when they go out hunting is just insane man i'm so with you there i you know i just i don't get it i've got my plb it's always attached you know right on my bino harness so that i can access that and the same as the gps and things you know i don't understand Things can go wrong real quick. Doesn't matter how confident, competent, whatever. If you can alleviate all those things that can, or do the best you can to alleviate all those things that possibly could go wrong, that's what you should be aiming to do every time. Yeah, hundred percent. Going from that, what would be your top five big items for a beginner? Okay, PLB is right up there, number one. <laughs> I'm glad uh, you said that. <laughs> yeah, you, you just got to right. I think. If I had to take five items out, my PLB would be right up there. First aid kit and a, a good first aid kit would be number two because you just – you don't know. One of the things I love in my first aid kit, and I don't know if you've got it, but those snake bandages which show you the the rectangle and the square for like the actual proper pressure in case you're going to get – you know, you do get bitten by a, a venomous snake. I think it's a contextual thing, isn't it? Like where I hunt, there's a lot of snakes. Um that's something that you've got to be super aware of. And for that reason, I also run gaiters and we talked about my boots being all leather to make sure I'm doing everything to avoid that issue. So they're right up there. That would be, yeah. So PLB, uh, first aid kit gaiters um, and, and decent boots that link in for, for that. And then I would probably talk about my, um, my uh, sorry, my, yeah, binos having a really good set of binos yeah. because they just mean the world of difference. They do. Um, I love my Vortex ones. They, they are so good. doesn't matter what light conditions it is. They are really thorough. And you said that with the crossfires? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been really happy with them. And they're not super expensive. I bought them when I was over in the States. And, man, I've been super, super happy with them. And then probably for the fifth, geez, that's a tough one. I'm about comfort. So I would say my pack yeah. because that, – and that's the reason I have that hiking pack is it's so damn comfortable. And it's a little heavier than other hiking packs too because it's got a lot more um, cushion, especially around the hip waist belt um and that's on the back that i i'm of the opinion that you want to do everything you can so when you're out there it's as enjoyable as possible and whether it be getting your fitness to a level where you're going to go up and down mountains and you're not going to die the next day all those things are just going to complement what you're doing and make it that much more fun yeah that's it man that's it that was great list of things um you know the safety side of things I don't think is talked about it enough, you know. I've been lucky. I might have had to use a Band-Aid or a set of tweezers out of my first aid kit, maybe a, like a sting set being stung by, an, you know, an inch in or something while I'm out. So that's fortunately touch wood. That's as much as I've ever had to use out of it. You know, I haven't – I run into more snakes when I'm out bow fishing than anything, a lot of tiger snakes – they tend to be a bit more aggressive, but still never had any issues with snakes when it comes out. So I'm pretty lucky there. I'm probably a bit too lax when it comes to snakes. <laughs> I've I've grown up around a lot of snakes and had a pet snake and, you know, snakes have never really bothered me too much. So I'm probably a bit laxed on that side of <laughs> when it comes to that type of stuff. I don't tend to run gators and that because of snakes. <laughs> yeah say so, well I, look i've kept reptiles all my life practically not anymore but um i think maybe it's your experiences i had a mate i was there and he got bit by a death adder yeah and yeah that went south very very quickly so you know when you're sort of exposed to that you know what can happen and how fast it can happen that to me was probably where i'm very comfortable with snakes and I just, for me, I want to take all the precautions possible because I don't want to be out in the middle of nowhere on my own, have that happen. And then you, you know, it's all good when you don't need it. Yeah. 100%. Jeez. You know, it's, um, and look, I'd much rather have it and never use it. 100%. (laughs) Need to use it and not have it. That's for sure. Yeah. So my mum's a paramedic. So, you know, I've had a bunch of, bunch of stuff and drilled into me about carrying about you know she's the one that went and bought a plb for me to carry around and you know it's it's something good to have and all for people that don't know your iphone now these days are a plb as well there's a setting on there that learn about it and that could save your your life too if you're an iphone user oh on that it's something i really try and push out there is so many people think 112 is the gift of you know that you're going to get it 112 only works if you have phone reception and it doesn't matter what company or telco has this um has this uh, tower around and that's a big one a lot of people think oh it doesn't matter just hit 112 and you'll be fine not the case so it's um one of those things that people there's oh, and you know tech's never been better there's zolio now that you can just connect and use your phone as a plb and it's really fantastic to see all these different things that are just making it safer because it doesn't take long for something to go wrong. So it's 
you know, please, as you know, all listeners, I really encourage everyone, make sure you're doing everything possible to be as safe as possible. Sorry, I might be ignorant there, but what's 112? I haven't heard that before. Okay, so you've got, when you hit triple zero on your phone, yep. it will call as long as you've got cell phone reception. So 112 does the same thing, but if I'm with, say, Vodafone, and Vodafone, I've got no reception, but a Telstra person would have reception. 112 will just bounce off the Telstra okay. tower and you'll be able to make that phone call to emergency services. The problem with it is if no tower is there, whether it be Telstra, Vodafone, Optus, whatever it might be, if nothing is there in the area, then your phone ain't working. So yeah, yeah. So this know that. this new iPhone update for the um, emergency um, servicing the SOS. I think that runs off of satellites from from as far as I'm. So if you've as long as you're in an area where you can, has that kicked in? I heard Apple worked something out with Starlink, and they yeah. were going to run off the Starlink satellites. I, I think it's kicked in the last couple months. It comes. Okay, up cool. I don't. I it. haven't really checked it out because I don't need to. I kind of run my PLB, but um, yeah, I read about that because I also sort of said, "Oh, I wonder how that will impact companies like Garmin and the like when you can just do it through your phone." But um, yeah, yeah, I've got my inReach and I've got the phone and you know all of these things. They they can all have their their purposes when it comes to it. Yeah, definitely. Bit of a silly question. I'm a bit of a zombie nerd, as my listeners would know. Zombie apocalypse weapon. What are you running? Oh, look, I've got a soft spot for Negan. I I think I'll. You know, grab out the baseball bat, <laughs> barbed wire on, and start swinging as a PE teacher. I do <laughs> fancy myself swinging a uh, a bat, so <laughs> I'd probably run that. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful classic Walking Dead reference. So that that that's always great. You know, I'm I'm more of a Daryl Dixon man myself. The old <laughs> oh, with the bow, yeah, with the bow, like, crossbow, yeah, okay. yeah love it. <laughs> what about what have you forgotten on a hunting trip? Oh, look, I always say I'm going to forget something. I've forgotten slings. I've forgotten the last trip I only literally got back a couple of days ago. I forgot my bloody um, guy ropes. <laughs> so I didn't, you know, I've, I do fancy myself as a bit of a MacGyver sometimes and just jerry-rigging something up. So I was able to still get the tarp up with some rope and, and play around. But um, to be honest, I've never forgotten something major. So I always have the bolt, the ammo, you know, the rifle and, and the like. Um, it's always just been something really small and annoying more than anything is whether it be, you know, as I said, the sling or some some uh, guy ropes for camp or just little things to be honest. But I always, I've got a, I'm a pretty, you know, pedantic when it comes to having a list and having things set up and checking over things and and I do that and somehow still manage to forget these minute things. So, But it, it's <laughs> never, ever stopped me from having to, you know, ruin a hunting trip. You know, if you, if you forget a sling, what, what's the big deal? You just carry the rifle, so it's not the end of the world. Yeah, that's definitely something a 270 shooter would say. <laughs> Sorry, I've been looking for an excuse to chuck some of these Cody clips in for a while there. We've had them, had them lined up. If you've listened to Matt's podcast, you would have heard a couple already. Um, yeah, we, we thought it would be a, a bit of a laugh to chuck some some Cody clips here and there in. We <laughs> need the number one podcast guest in Australia, don't you? <laughs> 
What's the most sketchy slash dangerous thing that's happened to you when you've been out, whether it's been hunting or in your early days when you're out spearfishing? Oh, geez, I've had some run-ins with sharks. They're right up there. I bet. Yeah, I do remember one time, and it's one of the reasons I sort of went away from spearfishing and more into hunting. Um, The amount of issues with sharks, you know, I I don't understand a lot of spearos that run – the fish on their weight, like the waist belts or or their weight belt. I, I've always, uh, not always, I shouldn't say that, but I really started doing a lot more diving, running a, a rope and a float and then hanging the fish a decent way, uh, a decent way back from me because I just had that many times sharks coming up trying to take your fish. And it makes sense. You've got this big hole and there's scales and guts and blood and, and whatnot coming out and then you're, Putting it on yourself is not probably a great idea. Yeah. So I started running that, but the amount of times having that that buoy and, and rope connected to my spear gun, and I'd just be, you know, swimming along, and it would just get yanked, um, you know, and take me back. I I couldn't tell you how many times. So that's an issue. Um, the other time, probably a four wheel driving one. To be honest, we were out in Kangaroo Valley doing some four wheel driving, and a mate when I was, you know, probably nineteen, I'd say. And uh, we, I don't even know how we did it, to be honest. We had a Mitsubishi Triton, but a two-wheeler, like not a four-wheel drive. And we somehow managed to, you know, get this car right in deep. And it got stuck. We, we, we really bottomed <laughs> it out. And the problem wasn't so much that. The problem was that over the ridge, there was a bushfire coming. Oh, no. We had no phone reception. And so we end up just sort of walking just trying to find somewhere to get some reception and by i don't know just by luck we uh i found the only little bit of reception on on some private property and and was managed to to call emergency services and the police came out and rescued us actually yeah well they came out and when they saw where the car had got they just sat there and said how the hell did you guys get this in here (laughs) and we went well you know yeah, we did a pretty good job, but uh, yeah, we were very lucky in it. That's crazy. Uh, at one stage, the the fire was coming towards us, and then uh, the wind changed. Thank God, but uh, that could have got a lot worse. And I suppose you just do those dumb things when you're young. We didn't even think about you know checking for fires and checking for you know having any sort of you know communication other than our phones. So they were pretty. You know, they could have been a lot worse than what they were. All of them. So yeah, when it comes to sharks, when spear fishing side of things, it creeps me the hell out um there's a guest i had on the podcast aaron whitaker i'm not sure if you're aware of who he is he's a south australian bow hunter um does a bit of rifle stuff has a youtube channel he actually had a pretty crazy run in with sharks if you haven't listened to that episode go back have a listen to it and i highly recommend getting him on the podcast he was a mad keen spiro and then the incident happened and then, um, yeah, got into hunting. So I reckon you would absolutely frost. <laughs> we just talk about sharks all day. <laughs> oh, it's 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 the craziest story I've ever heard. Like you, you had your crazy story about, um, well, not your crazy story, but on your previous podcast about the fella getting shot, um, yeah, in his swag. I I would put this up there with with higher than that like it's oh uh, sharks are super scared <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be honest i'll put my hand up and you can call me a cat you can call me whatever you want but i um 
if I dive now, I, I run a shark shield. Um, you know, I just don't want to take chances of, I know you, Mitch spoke about yeah. that on, you know, one of your recent ones, but I, yeah, I won't go in the water spearfishing. I'll go to the beach and that that's fine, but I won't go in the water spearfishing without a shark shield. Cause I just think, as I said, everything you can do to be as safe as possible. And man, I've got a mate, um, I'll get him on mine at one stage. He, he's sort of moving into hunting as well, but mainly more spearfishing still. And man, he and his brother had a great white come in at them and turn at three meters. And yeah, nah, yeah. <laughs> I'll pass, man. When you've got something like that, it's the size of a bloody, you know, a car coming in at you. And uh, I couldn't even imagine, you know, one of the dumbest things I've done is we dived, um, same bloke, actually, we dived in a cove. There was a great white around the the corner, but it was feeding on a whale. So we figured that why is it going to leave a dead whale and come for us? So, but uh, man, I just couldn't imagine. I've run in a lot of other species of shark, but a great white, that's just a different level. I, yeah, I don't want to ever have that happen. <laughs> yeah, so I highly recommend, even if you don't listen to that past episode, get him on as a guest and have a chat to him because it's it's the most insane story i've ever heard it's just it's up i think there's something about sharks we're so helpless in the water as humans yep you just you you know i I think that's one of the scariest moments out of everything i've done and i've done some dumb stuff but one of the big (laughs) ones yeah but one of the big ones is just being in that that you know i've dived off boats a, a decent amount out offshore and you just look down it's dark and you're just like, what's there? <laughs> and then, you know, it doesn't help with social media these days. I don't know if you've seen some of them, but when it was, I love one of them that this bloke's just looking down, he's filmed the whole thing and this shark just comes flying up at him. He just points his spear and it impales it. And you're just like, man, things can go so bad so quick. And yeah, sharks are a different level. One of my mates, Frank, shout out Frank. He calls them the tax man. And I, uh, yeah. Like, they definitely I'm, are. I'm there. They're, they're, they're a crazy animal. I had a have a mate that's uh, down in New Zealand that used to post a bunch of um, spearfishing videos, Aqu- Aquaquatic Rehab, I believe his channel was, and he had some crazy encounters with sharks on, on video. But, yeah, let's move on to lighter. What's the funniest thing that's happened to you while you've been out hunting or spearfishing or... Oh, the funniest one. Oh, look, I'll go spearfishing again because, well, actually, I've got two. I'll go, I'll go yeah, share go these. on. So, again, me mate Mitch <laughs> and uh, his best mate. We've grown up together. And so he's been a big part of, you know, the dumb stuff that I've done, especially <laughs> spearing and all that. But I remember going out spearfishing and um, we we spent ages walking around these rock cliffs to get to an area where no one else has dived and, and the like. And we... I don't know how it happened, but he's just out of nowhere. I've got in, got all my gear on. He just dives in, jumps down. There's all these great fish. We're like, oh, man, we've hit the jackpot, literally diving off the rock, and there's just – it's a plethora of fish, and I'm sitting there going, this is great. And all of a sudden, he's just dropped the dax and popped out a turd, and I've seen this turd floating up, and I've seen all the (laughs) fish that I wanted to shoot just come flying in and start eating his crap. And I've just gone, mate, are you serious? Like now, I don't want to shoot these fish and eat them now. I don't want to handle your, your feces as I'm cutting them open to clean them up. Uh, oh, just that, that, so that was that was one of the funnier ones. And then um, 
there must be a bit of a, I guess, a consistency with him because he was out hunting on his uh, with his brother-in-laws. And um, actually, sorry, he was hunting the day before his brother-in-laws and it was on private property that um, they own. And he, uh, again, he decided he'd drop a turd and he did it in the creek. And um, <laughs> he, I remember him ringing me up just giggling and I go, what's funny? He goes, well, yesterday I did this turd in this creek. And then um, his two brother-in-laws were out hunting and uh, one of them was, they're both in the creek area and they're like, oh, look at this. And he thought it was an eel. <laughs> so he went to grab it and he's grabbed Jesus. it and pulled a turd up. And we go, oh, it was a turd. <laughs> and, uh, and Mitch has just uh, heard it and started giggling and he never told them that uh, they were handling his, uh, yeah, his turd. <laughs> or now he's screwed for when the story comes out. <laughs> I'll have to give him a link and say, guys, you might want to listen to this one. <laughs> That's hilarious. What about top five dream animals? Like, don't worry about money, all of that stuff. If you could go out and hunt five animals anywhere in the world, what would they be? Where would they be? I've had a really big, I guess, cultural influence from North America. So, as we all have. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I just watching Jim Shockey and Meat Eater and all that, um, it's right up there for me. Elk, moose, uh, turkey, whitetail, um, they're, they're right up there for me. Probably those. And and I'd, I'd say bear as well um, would probably be the five. Yeah. In saying that, I do have a goal. I'd love to to harvest every deer here in Australia. Um, that's sort of, a, I think, a more realistic goal because, you know, going overseas isn't cheap. So no. that's probably where I'm at. But, yeah, if money wasn't an object, I, I there's such an allure to – hearing elk call and turkey calls that's just it really fascinates me and and i want to get out there and hear it that's yeah that's a big one for me yeah 100 percent. i elk bear they're high on my list i'm fortunate enough to have taken a couple of white tails so i'm cheering with that i've taken a couple of turkeys here and, and in new zealand so i'm happy with that um you know Australia's i heard got- the new zealand ones don't gobble though I think they do, but just not not as not to the like, same extent. Not not to the same extent. Um, there's just too many of them, you know. There's a fella I know over there. He did some pest control for a farmer, and they shot 800 turkeys in like 24 Whoa. hours. Whoa! Like there's there's a lot of them over there. <laughs> yeah, well, because they got no predators, so they're well, not they're not dealing it, yeah. with all the same stuff that they're dealing with in the states. Which that, you know, that I don't know if that would fascinate me as much going to New Zealand without the, the calling and the gobbling and the striking. That really just oh, it gets me excited. Anything like that, it's just another element to hunting. Like, I mean, there's already so many elements to hunting, but that's another one that I just, it fascinates me. And I'd love to, even if I wasn't pulling the trigger, just going out with someone like, you know, Jason Phelps from Phelps Game Calls and hearing him do it and go through it, geez, that'd be fascinating. Yeah, that's it. Um, you'd love Seeker deer then. Like, I highly recommend going. If you ever get the chance to go hunt Seeker in, in New Zealand, they're just amazing. Like, Mate, one of my goals, I heard Fallow croaking this year for the first time, yeah. and it was just amazing. I, it, like, I've, I love hunting and I'm, I'm hooked anyway, but that just, I, I just, I, I came home and just said to the wife, all right, you know, this school holidays in April, I'm out. 
<laughs> don't bother. You know, don't expect me to do anything because this is just, that was an unbelievable experience. And, you know, the next one's reds. I've never heard, like you, you see it on YouTube, but I want to be there. And even if I don't harvest something, that's cool. I can appreciate not taking an animal. I'd like to, I'd like to obviously, but just getting to hear them or hear the valley erupting with roars would be just sensational for me. Fallows, amazing. Reds just cut through you. Um, Seeker just, yeah, touch everything inside of you. They're just, it's just that next, next level. They're that's a cross cool. between like red and um, elk. It's just absolutely oh, wow. nuts. So good. But speaking on the food aspect side of stuff, what is your favorite thing to cook with hunted court food? Oh, that's a tricky one. I fish wise, I love seafood. It's um, you know, I'm I'm very partial to abalone, um lobster, prawns. Um, and I think probably they resonate with me a little bit more than the hunting side because I haven't done that as much and I haven't been able to, you know, yes, I've I've been very lucky. A few people have flicked us some venison and things like that. And, but, you know, I, there's an attachment there for me of going prawning with my family and just walking through the water with the, the torch and, you know, scooping them up and then going back and boiling them and, and doing that whole process. Yeah. And there, when I do eat those things, it takes me back to those memories with family. And it's one thing I really wish my, my father and mother and, and brother would be into hunting and they're not so, but they are into the fishing and the spear fishing. So that takes me back to all those great memories as a kid. So for me, it would be pretty simple, just the seafood elements. And yeah. I am very big on a, a Mornay, lobster Mornay. You know, I love putting out traps and, you know, actually, again, here's another story for you. But um, I remember diving for lobsters and we put out the lobster traps and it was with Mitch, my mate again. Um, he's a bad influence, let's make <laughs> that clear. And we, uh, we were down the south coast. And we looked out and it was pretty big seas. And he's like, oh, it doesn't matter. We'll get him in. And I remember just being there and holding this big-ass lobster pot, which heavy as hell. And we'd uh, hooked it up and we used hand bones and things like that. And I was crouching behind this sort of rock that gave me a little bit of protection. And it was just getting banged and like from the waves. <laughs> and uh, we ended up getting out but it was that bad it was either i was going to drown or i had to just drop the pot so we end up losing the lobster pot but, oh, no. and then it was that bad we had to swim to shore and come through the beach rather than on the rocks it was that bad and crazy but we were only down there for two or three days so we needed to, to try and get them out because we were just desperate to get some lobsters but uh man yeah any any of that seafood is probably the big reason i'm hoping that might shift a bit now that i start you know getting into hunting and harvesting animals myself um that is a good feeling as well. You know, taking a few goats and eating them and whatnot has been exciting, but there isn't the memories attached to them just yet. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's definitely more amazing when you take it yourself. Um, you come to realize that pretty soon, but you also just appreciate, you know, just fine, how fine venison is. And especially when you've got the seafood aspect, when you can add it to it and you have like, you know, your homemade surf and turf, you know, venison steaks and 
calamari and you know in your case where you can go chase prawns like if you you know get some some caught prawns with nice garlic sauce on some venison steaks it's just amazing well i mean i think the best thing about hunting and one of the things that allured me to chasing like deer and things like that's the payoff yeah because there is so much meat like when you go spearfishing you might take a couple of fish but like that's not supplying your fish for the next three months is it where exactly you you knock a deer over and you've got that long-term you know amount of meat available to you so that's a win in in that sense yeah you're like at the moment i make bone broth out of you know all the all the bones that i can so then I use that for the cooking side of things as well or just drinking it warm. Like it's it's wicked to drink like that. Um, Plus it's so good for you. Yeah. Like it's, it's right up there as, a, as, you know, something to drink. So Yeah, I spent the last couple of days making uh, – it was pork bone broth, so it was store-bought bones, but I've got some venison ones there as well. Like I mentioned to you off, off the podcast earlier, I'm on the carnivore diet again to shred a couple of kilos. And, um, yeah, the just the bone broth the aspect of it's amazing and then using it for cooking is just insane i uh, did a slow cooked pork roast in the slow cooker in bone broth and just you know pulled pork ate that and then all the leftover pulled pork i've chucked in the dehydrator and dried it all out and then got the uh, pork like pulled pork jerky from it and then you've got nice. like a double concentrate of bone broth that you can use again which is even more flavorsome it's yeah, so good. And then you use that for a venison cut and you just get so much more flavor through it, which is which is pretty cool. But yeah, moving on a little bit, how do you see the public views on hunting and hunters? Yeah, look, I think I think this is an area I'm very passionate about because I'm quite vocal in it on my podcast as well. If you haven't heard, I I want to make sure that hunters are doing absolutely everything we can to win over the public. And you can't always do that. I I appreciate that. But we need to do everything possible to portray hunting in a positive light to have the people that are on the fence not be against hunting. And, you know, for me, I think we need more hunters because – we and you know hunters might not like that i say this but we do a really poor job of advocating for hunting and standing up for our hunting rights and it doesn't matter what you look at whether it be what just happened with in victoria with the duck ban um or the proposed duck ban i should say but you know five thousand submissions is not many when you've got so many licenses just you know forget anything else um when you talk about us not doing a great job as hunters standing up and making it well known our contribution whether it be to conservation whether it be to the economy um, from a financial perspective there are so many elements i just don't think we do a great job of portraying that to the public now you could argue that that's because of the media and they don't want to cover that or mainstream media anyway and then it comes down to hunters trying to do it to as many people as possible and that has its challenges and the wrong people can also maybe not portray it in a a positive light too and how it gets out there so yeah it's such a a tricky situation but i i really do feel the future is going to be harder for us and 
we are going to constantly be butting our heads up against these barriers of people that are disconnected from where we've come from and our cultural perspective. And, you know, I, I say that all the time. It's quite interesting to me as an Aboriginal person that people respect the rights of Aboriginal people to hunt, but then don't, if you're not Aboriginal. Now we all, you know, we all came from, you know, our ancestors who at some stage hunted for us to be here. Yeah. So the, the argument to me is just so flawed in why, you know, some people should be able to hunt and some shouldn't and, and all that. But yeah, I, I really think that's going to be our biggest barrier. And it's something that I want to be vocal and advocate for because I want my kids to have the opportunity to do it if they choose to, if they don't, that's up to them. But I'd hate to get to a position where they didn't even get the choice. And I can see that on the horizon. I mean, you know better than anyone what's going on down there in SA. Yeah. So, you know, with the ban on bow hunting and just some ridiculous stuff that uh, it, I, I don't understand it. And it's something that I think we as a collective need to address. And, you know, um, I know you do a lot of work with Firearms Owners United and I've loved what they're doing with the suppressors, um, you know, trying to, to get that done. But, I I just think that's a that's a hill that I, I don't know if we'll ever get that one. I it makes me disappointed that other countries call it best practice and yet we can't even get it heard here. And yeah, it's it's a it's such a tricky situation that we face. And yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know the way forward. It it makes me very nervous to be honest. Yeah, surprisingly we've had some you know, some good things that have come out of that over the, I think um, Dan's been running that campaign for the last two years, every September. And we've, you know, getting some decent replies from politicians and police ministers and stuff like that, which is quite good. There's some stuff going on behind the scenes, which hopefully we get some nice stuff to come out of it. Um, But yeah, so, how would you change the public views on hunting and hunters? What would you personally do if you could? Oh, look, if I had a magic wand, I'd probably, and people aren't going to like this. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say this so they might never listen to my podcast again. <laughs> um, I'd probably, I'd probably get, really have a look at our hunting organizations and bodies and how many we have. Yep. Because I feel we have a hell of a lot for such a small um, representation. You know, sorry, how do I say that? I think we've got so many parties and groups and organisations and committees, and the old saying "too many, you know, too many chefs spoil the broth" is what I feel ha- happens a bit in hunting that we have too many groups that are looking and solely focused on their own little patch yep. and they're not looking at the bigger picture. And and look, that also comes down to hunters. I honestly do see so many hunters that oh, I don't care about bow hunting because I shoot with a rifle. I don't care about duck hunting because I hunt deer. Um, you know, that's not everybody. Let's make that clear. But for me, that, I guess, disparity between people and not being a united front is something that needs to be addressed amongst hunters. 100%. I love seeing the ORAG group um, starting to take a bit of form and get some traction because um, 
if you're not sure of that, it, it's basically come about with what's going on with duck hunting and everything going on in Victoria. And I believe off the top of my head, it's Outdoor Recreation Advocacy Group is what ORAG stands for. That excites me because I've called for it for a while saying that we need to combine hunting with fishing, with spear fishing, with four-wheel drivers, with campers, with hikers, with rock climbers, because we all have this appreciation of the outdoors. And as a solid, you know, if we can solidify everybody, if we can bring everybody together, then we're a force to be reckoned with. Now, yeah, this is the 100%. problem I see in hunting where you've got all these little groups and not a big group and whether you like it or not, people don't like the double S double A and, you know, but they have a lot, probably the most money out of every group. And there, there's so many conflicting groups and fighting amongst ourselves that the big picture is being lost a little. And that's, look, that's my interpretation and that's what I feel. So if I had a magic wand, I would say somehow working on bringing everybody together, uniting all fronts so that we can really put our best foot forward and, and then start to use some of this funding and money to do what Meat Eater's done. Like the platform's there. It's really clear. Ranella's done such a great job in being able to portray it to the general public and whether it be his cooking, taking everybody on the whole journey and not focusing just on the trophy side, utilizing the meat. The, that is how we win people over. And I know some people might not like me saying that the trophy element is sort of like the the black sheep of the family, but it is. Unfortunately, 100%. you're really going to struggle to get people that are non-hunters to appreciate the trophy hunting side. So we need to to promote the rest of it. Now, you know, trophy hunters, a lot of trophy hunters I know use the meat. So it's not just about the trophy, but when the in the public perception, they just hear trophy hunting, you're just going out to kill the animal to stick on a wall. Yeah. That's a bad light. And whether you agree or don't agree, as a hunter, we've got to take a step back and go, what is the public's perception? Because there, there is the issue that we're going to face from people that don't know hunting and what they know about it or they, their perception of it. Yeah, I, I definitely know that a lot of, a, a few groups are trying to work together. It's just getting those those things on that they all agree on, you know, because some groups advocate for one thing and, other groups put more time on advocating something else and they're like, oh, you know, why are you putting your time there? You should be putting your time where we're putting our time, you know? And it's just, that's where all the groups get divided, you know? And it's the same as in the hunting and shooting community, you know? You got the shooters that are like, you know, I only shoot a twenty-two, and I can kill everything that I need to do with a twenty-two single shot. And that's all I need, so that's all you need, you know? Like, you get that that aspect oh, of it too you know just look at wa with nature. the gun laws <laughs> yeah it's human nature to go hey that's what i'm interested in i'm not so worried about this now the problem is is we're in you know it's a little bit different if you're just playing a normal sport if you're playing soccer you know you're not really it, it's not the same as um football like they're different whereas hunting is sort of under the same umbrella but it's not because there's so many ways to hunt whereas if you're playing soccer you're playing soccer you know like it, it's it doesn't matter what grade it's just so many it's, it's so multifaceted hunting there's so many elements and there's so many different types and we spoke about this on our podcast 
is there is you can be a duck hunter a pig hunter you know geez even like hunting rabbits with ferrets there's so many we haven't even then started talking about rifles and calibers and the the arguments behind there and just shout out to people that shoot six and a half creedmoor so um you know i know i got (laughs) we had a bit of a message about you leaving that out but uh or no was it 308 i think it was 308 308 but but had the six five in (laughs) yeah (laughs) but look for me that's it it is a hard one and i know people that are out there trying and uh, you know i want to make that clear that I, i do appreciate that but that is one of the areas that I feel is probably our weakest point because I do feel that the antis and the groups that are against us have a little bit more um, collusion or a little bit more of a, uh, you know, it's easier for them though. Let's be clear about that. They want hunting banned. Well, that's so much easier than talking about all the different elements of hunting and how people choose to hunt. So they've got the easier job and we've got to be mindful of that too. Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent it. You know, the name of this podcast is Hunting Connection. Like, I'm trying to bring the hunting side of things all together on some sort of united front. You know, it seems to be working. Like, we've got a good podcast community that we're all bouncing off of each other. Um, the media side, like even the YouTube side, um, I created that group a couple months back. Um, Oz Hunting Media or whatever. I think it's Oz Hunting Media. But yeah, just trying to connect like us podcasters and YouTubers and just all that together. So we're on some type of united front and easier to find each other and communicate and, you know, work together more, you know. Like I was discussing with you and Lawson the other day um, separately, but, you know, how cool would it be to have just a big podcast episode where it's all of us there chatting you know a big round round table of podcasters just chatting about all these issues it'd be freaking hard to do unless you weren't in the same room but it would be absolutely epic (laughs) oh it would and look that that's what excites me a little bit about what's happening because you know there's so many different podcasts that have popped up which are great like let's let's be clear you know, whether you got Lawson with his bailing, scaling barbecue, the Hunters Campfire, they're three top blokes. You, you've got um, Australian Hunting Backcountry, I love, um, Becoming a Bow Hunter, um, what Luke's doing, uh, Hunting Republic podcasts. Yep. Send um, it, mate podcast. Yours, send it, mate. Like, there's so many and I, I feel that people are doing such a good job in their space of it and, you know, shout out to all of them. I, I think it's fantastic. Keep doing what you're doing because – we need it out there and, you know, I don't care if they listen to me. I don't care if they listen to you. I don't care if they listen to any of the other podcasts. If they're listening and they're liking what they're hearing and it's promoting hunting in a positive manner, then the job is getting done and it's getting done well and that's what we need to be focused on. You know, as I said, I'm not trying to make a career out of this. Um, you know, I don't make any money from it. Like it's it's not – you don't get into podcasting to make money. It's – more about a passion that i want to see hunting i love talking about hunting and you know that is it takes a lot of time and effort to do these things you you can appreciate it you understand it so you know especially with a young family and there it's not something that's easy to do and just you click your hands and go oh yeah it's done like just organizing guests and then recording (laughs) and then i edit you know a fair bit of mine and you know they these things take time and and that 
you know, what I will say on that, and I know you feel the same, is, geez, we've got such a great supportive community. The amount of listeners that reach out, and, and I yeah. want to say a big thank you to them because that, you know, I, I'm taken aback still. Like today, I hit 25,000 listens. The podcast has been insane. on for three months. You know, That's I'm, great. oh, man, I, I could not be happier. When the old podcast ended, that was pretty successful. And, it's really successful. You know, we jumped, I jumped into this and I was told that, you know, you, it won't be, you won't be as good. You won't be able to do it and, and blah, blah, blah. And and for me, just having people go, you know what? Yeah, I, I don't have the experience. I, I'm new to this. Yes. You know, I, I, this is my journey. I'm, you know, I more want this for my kids to be able to listen to when I'm not here. Yeah. That's How cool it. is that going to be that they're going to hear me uh, talking to people, learning, like, you know, I've taken what you said on my podcast about bow fishing and, I'm super keen to start now unpacking all that and get that set up for summer. That That's what this is about. It's for me to learn. It's for me to enjoy myself, talk to good people, promote hunting in a positive light. And I know you do the same and you do a good job of it. So, you know, it's it's one of those things, a shout out to all the podcasters out there, all 100%. the people on YouTube that are doing the same thing. That's what we need. We don't need people out there trying to, you know, commercialize it. We need people out there trying to just promote hunting in a positive light and, and do a great job. So keep doing those things if you're doing them. Oh, man, I 100% agree with you. Look, I would love to be able to make a living off of doing this because I'd be able to bring out more episodes. But not Rogan. The- <laughs> That's the yeah, problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know. But, you know, I would, I would love to be able to make a living off of it because, you know, I do one episode a fortnight. Sometimes I'll do a bonus episode. Um, you know, having family, full-time job, it's hard to, you know, I can't promise that I'd get an episode out weekly. So I do fortnightly, but I would love to be able to do, you know, two, three episodes a week, you know? So I'd be lying. I'd be lying to say if, you know, if I could make money off of this, I, I, I I wouldn't do it, you know, because I would, because (laughs) I get it. But I think this is the problem with, you know, I've had people go, Oh, you must be making money off this or whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like it's, Australia, the Australian market is just not big enough no, to do it. That's the problem. Not. Like you've got to, you got to think context, right? And you go, okay, even in America, I think they have ten percent that hunt. Yeah, yeah, but that that ten percent is a big difference because they've got three hundred and sixty-five million people. So there's thirty-six point five million people. Yeah, that's that's it. more than our whole population. Yeah. <laughs> now we are definitely not the everyone in Australia is not hunters. So then all of a sudden you've got such a small market share and things like that. So. I don't think it's ever going to be a viable industry like that. So the people that are out there doing these things, it's not realistically there to make money or, um, yeah, it's just not. <laughs> they must win the lotto and then say, hey, I've got heaps of time to kick it and, and just do this. But, um, yeah, it's one of those things. But that's it. We can dream. <laughs> oh, mate, I, I, always I, dream. I know you love it. How much fun is it just oh, talking to different people? It's and so good. The amount of I, friendships I've made through it that, you know, what, guys that I haven't met, but, you know, it feels like I, I know them, you know, especially like listening to your podcast, your old podcast. It feels like I know you. And this is our first somewhat face-to-face conversation we've had, you know. <laughs> uh, you know what? And that's the cool thing about it, isn't it? Like you hear stories and you hear different things. And, you know, I, I had to say I um I caught up with someone the other day and they were talking to us and they were bringing up things from the podcast and it's like they know you very well it's very interesting and i really appreciate that because it it's not an easy thing to do it's very time consuming and you know for people to engage with it and 
also appreciate it. That's the biggest one for me is, geez, those messages of support when someone says, geez, I love what you're doing. I love your content. That's what keeps me doing it. It just gives you a little bit of boost. You're like, oh. That that, that feels that feels good, you know. We've yeah, we've been at this tonight, what three and a half hours, yeah, know, combined, <laughs> and then we got to edit and put together and upload and all of that stuff. So it, it definitely all takes time, you know. And, and people don't see that side of it; they, they just think, "Oh, it's easy. You just have a chat and then you throw it up." But it's not <laughs> as easy as that. It can take a long time. And but I think all in my experience so far, Jesus has been far more appreciative people. 100%. Than people from the other side of the spectrum, and, and that's the, you know, that's a great thing. I, I really appreciate those that you know show the support, and I'm sure I know you do too. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. Um, you know, my my aim with this podcast is help and connect people, and from what I've seen, it's it's connecting people. You know, one of my f- friends and former guests, Lana, she hooked up with Cads, who was another one of my my guests and they did the she did the woman's come come shoot day and from that she's got a license she's got a hunting permit then cads and her went out and hunted with cody and she took her first pig and you know just all this small little connection things you know it's like the aim of the podcast so hearing it all all together and other people linking up through the podcast. You know, Cody first came on this podcast and now he's a podcast superstar. <laughs> Mate, isn't he what? <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's great. I think that's that's what I've seen and I appreciate the most is the opportunity to speak to so many varied people and learn and talk and you know we spoke about this saying that because we are such a small community you're going to get the same guests on you're not going to be able to miss that opportunity right you're not going to be able to you know have all these exclusives every week it's going to be people that you know have been on others but i think majority of the podcasts have such a unique style out there we all get something different 100 percent, yeah no most definitely and I I think that's a real positive because the more content out there for people to consume, especially hunters, that, that's a win. So, you know, I, I really like it. I think it's great. And, you know, I'm not, um, not opposed to having podcasters come on mine and share and, you know, I love a lot of what people do. And, you know, there's some really great guys out there like Lawson. He's such a good bloke. We talk regularly and he's just he's just such a down to earth good guy. 100%. And that's that's what I that's what I got into this for, you know, coming from a background of not having many mates that hunt, um, or or close to me anyway. I just to meet people and you know, if if I can go like my last um my last hunt down the state forest was solo and I always used to do them solo and then I did a couple where I started going with people and I, I really enjoyed this sharing camp and that's probably where I want to go a bit more is, is you know, meet up with people and say, hey, let's go to a state forest, let's share camp. We don't have to hunt together. You don't have to stay beside me. I prefer actually hunting on my own but, you know, coming back at the end of the day and having a chat what happened and that that just adds another layer to the experience for me and I've met some really good people for that. So, you know, I have to I have to – be very appreciative of, of the good people that I've met so far. There's a camaraderie that comes with hunting and sharing hunting camps. Like 
the the people that I've made through like made friends through hunting and shared insane hunting experiences with are people that are going to be in my life for a lifetime because you know people that don't hunt don't understand these like highs and lows of emotions you know you're out there you might be sitting you know sitting there and you're just laughing your head off you don't care if you scare a deer away or anything you're just joking around and laughing like you're having such a good time just being out there in nature with a mate like that's crazy i i love camping and i love bushwalking and you know i'm not a super successful hunter and to be honest i don't care <laughs> like it's for me it's always been about the experiences and the places you get to go and you know I, I just spent a couple of days climbing up and down mountains in the snowies that was just sensational and you know i get climbing up 300 meters and getting to the top just gassed and just going bloody hell that was a steep climb i know that feeling and feeling that sense of accomplishment looking at that view there you know i'd do that without a rifle um then getting the chance to do it and, and have that extra element of, of a challenge of hunting something too and uh, there's just so many positive things about it like i, I got back and checked some trail cameras and you know, saw some awesome photos and just got super excited to get back out there again. And that it's, you know, I understand why fish chase lures because I'm doing the exact same thing, you know, <laughs> like it's just like, damn, I want to get out there again. And it's just on my mind constantly. And I know that I, I take these photos and I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm very partial to a selfie on top of a mountain <laughs> because it's, it's, it's a breathtaking view. And I feel this sense of accomplishment or ease or, you know, there's, I reflected last time out there just walking through the bush, just hearing nature and not hearing anything else and just reflecting like going, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else to relax and enjoy myself. Um, I can't wait till I harvest, you know, a, a deer and get that meat. But the reality is, I wouldn't even change it. Like yeah. there, there's, I'm not sitting there going, damn it, I didn't get a deer. What a terrible trip. Uh, I came back to the wife and said, oh, man, I had such a great time. Um, you know, that that will be an added bonus. But, I, I, you know, for me, that's been the allure to this whole thing and, and why I chase what I'm chasing is just that time in the bush and, Jesus, it's good. And, and there's so many people that don't get that nowadays. It's becoming more rare for people to yeah. get out in the bush and and find spots that other people haven't. And especially in a state forest where I hunt, you you know, it's it's not like going for a walking a coastal walk in a national park where there's a, a track. Yeah. Um, you know, it's something so different. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's something that, you know, chatting to workmates like they'll be like, Oh, you went hunting on weekend. Did you get anything? And it's like, No, I didn't and they're like, Oh, that must suck. And I was like, No, it doesn't. I spent if I went out by myself, I spent great time alone, you know. I, I got to reset. If I went out with mates, I had a good time and we were laughing and talking shit the whole time. If I went out with the boys, like my, my kids, I spent quality time with them, you know. It's just, just about that being out there. Shooting something is an added bonus, you know. Like, that's just an added bonus. It's what we're out there to do, but, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you were still out there. Good on you. Oh, and I don't know about you, but I 
I come back missing the family. Yeah. You know, I'll spend, you know, this time I had two nights away and just I loved every minute of it, but then I was dying to get back and see my kids and my wife. And, you know, that's – it just makes me – I come back and that whole drive, like it was a four-and-a-half-hour drive, and I was just sitting there just thinking how grateful I am of my wife and, you know, I can get away and, and how much I miss my kids and how lucky I've got three beautiful kids that are healthy and I've got, you know, we have a house and so many things. And I think it just puts things in perspective when you're out there in the bush and you're so insignificant, you're, you know, and, and that's what you are. You're just part of nature and whether you live or die, it doesn't matter. Nature doesn't care. It's just nature. And when you come back and go, hey, geez, you know, I'm 40 this year. Um, a lot of people don't get to 40. Um, a lot of people haven't been able to achieve what I've achieved or a lot of yep. people don't have what I have. And I just get so appreciative of it and it just it centers me and it grounds me and that is such a win. And as you said, if you get to harvest animal and you got a food, man, that's a, that's a big win on top of that. But you're, you're a winner from doing that anyway. Yeah, 100%. So jump off that last bit and you said, what is hunting to you? Hunting to me, geez, this is a good one, right? I feel I have a deep connection with the environment, the bush, my ancestors, and being more like we were than we are currently. And I like that. I am very big on the fact that I think society has just, while it's great, don't, oh, I love technology and I'm vocal about that, I also love the lack of technology when you're out and there's no phone reception and there's no, it's just you and the environment and how it was. Yeah. I sometimes feel that I was born in the wrong generational era and being able to get out into the bush and not have the the modern day luxuries and rough it, if you want to call it that, or whatever, whatever term you want to say, it it just makes me grateful and appreciative. And, and hunting to me is just, it's so natural. I think if I had to just use one word, it'd be natural. Yeah. And that's, I think that's where people were and where we've now lost. And I, I really, it's a shame that we've lost it, in my opinion. I, I, I just feel we'd be better people to appreciate how hard hunting is and how hard our ancestors had it like 100% and you've got to think you know how many people sit there and think about the people that came before us that trailblazed and made the roads like think about the roads and when there was no road there and oh just for me it's just so fascinating to think the hardships that these people had and what they did and how lucky we've got it, but how far away we are from that now. And I think we'd have a better society if people knew how hard it was to go out and feed yourself as opposed to just going to Coles and buying a packet of steak. Yeah, 100%. And, like, when you think about it, it's two people go. People live to 100. There's two people go when they were first, first doing this stuff, making the roads, you know. 
the first people, first white people to come come to Australia and see the different parts. You know, like you know. Well, you look at the average life expectancy now is what eighty point three for a male, and I think eighty three point one for a female. And you know, go back a hundred years, it wasn't that. And I think that's also where people appreciated life a little bit more because they didn't have as much of it. Yeah. And it was, it's just so easy nowadays. Like, yeah. It is. No one, I mean, okay, let's, let's clarify that that's because we live in Australia and we're a first world country and we can just go down to the supermarket in the most, you know, in most places. Let's make that clear as well because it, it is harder in more rural, remote settings. But for me, that, yeah, it's just I think we'd be all better people if we all got to experience that connection with nature and getting back to our roots. And I I think people would not have the squabbles and the arguments and, you know, road rage. You know, for me, I, I sit there and go people rushing around to get to work. Like, okay, but you know, for, for our ancestors, they didn't know when their next meal was coming from. They had to go and work for that. You think they'd be losing their shit about sitting in traffic for an extra five minutes? I don't think they would personally. I love it. That's extra podcast time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true, true. Sometimes I might be stuck in a good podcast and I'll have to do an extra lap just to finish to what they're saying, you know? (laughs) Yes. No, I, um, the, the problem with that is when you listen to people like Rogan and I've been, you know, listen to him forever and they go so long. And you just never want it to – like you don't want to get out of the car now. You're sitting there like – I was listening to his one the other day on the UFOs and it yeah. went for like a good three-plus hours and it was just super fascinating. <laughs> and I just was like, thank God I did that four-and-a-half-hour drive because I had to listen to that in one hit. Yeah. I've actually started listening again because I was just like, there's so much to it. I need to listen again. But Yeah, there's been yeah, a, couple no, of those, there. a couple of those five-hour episodes that I've had to listen to a couple times just to take stuff in. You know, it's like, oh, he's the yeah. podcaster king. <laughs> 100%, 100%. Uh, speaking of podcasts and that, where can, if people have enjoyed what they've heard and they, you know, they've just gone back and listened to you, the first episode, part one of this, where else can they find you apart from um, the main podcast platforms? What social media sites can they find you on? Yeah, look, I'm on um, Twitter, Oz Hunting and Beyond, um, OZ for Oz. Um, Australian Hunting and Beyond on Facebook and I'm on X or previously Twitter um, as the same thing, Australian Hunting and Beyond. Um, I will – look, I do want to get YouTube back up and running. It's one of those things. I, I, I'm sort of wanting to do the video podcast. I don't think I'll put the whole episodes up. I'll, I'll do sort of snippets to throw up there, like sort of a, just a, a question, a segment or, or whatever. But um, they're the main ones. It's – just uh, just an avenue for people to find us. My socials aren't major. I, yeah. I will put that up, put my hand up for that. and It's probably something I need to focus a little bit more on. But, I, yeah, as I said, this is a passion for me. It's something I, I really enjoy, the podcasting element of it and getting to talk about hunting. So, yeah, if you if you like what you're hearing, you know, I'm on all the major podcastings, but jump across and, and give us a like and a listen and, I'll hope, uh, you know, as my goal is just to keep putting content out there that people enjoy and hopefully they understand I'm a pretty sort of down-to-earth bloke and I'm not trying to get famous. I'm just having fun talking about hunting and, that's it. you know, that's that's a win. And, you know, even I, I know you're the same and I've had a great time chatting to you. We, you know, this crossover has been fantastic oh, it's been in my so opinion. Much fun. 
Oh, I've enjoyed it thoroughly and we'll probably have to do it again down the track for sure. Like 100%. We, we only skim the surface. There's oh. so many more things. And, <laughs> you know, you could just do five, six hours talking to someone, but, you know, life doesn't permit that unless uh, you're Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. We'll need to share a hunting camp sometime. If you're ever in uh, South Australia or thinking about heading to South Australia, even if you headed down with a family, we can uh, hook up and go bow fishing and, you know, take the kids fishing, whatever. Mate, sounds like a plan, and and likewise, if you're up here in New South Wales, give us a yell. Yeah, will do, man. But yeah, appreciate you coming on, and appreciate you having me on your podcast, and appreciate everything you do in positive light for the hunting community. Keep up the great work, and yeah, keep keep on keeping on, <laughs> mate. Exact sentiments are likewise. So, mate, I uh, I thoroughly enjoy what you're doing, and and keep doing what you're doing because it's um. And we need more more people like yourself out there pushing positive messages and and doing a great job. And and you can tell listening to your stuff, you're just a down to earth positive guy, and I love it. So if you uh, you know, yeah, just, that's what we need. So keep doing it. Speaking of uh, someone that puts a good positive message out for hunters, we'll uh, let him say goodbye. Well, boys. It's been a pleasure. What can I say? We've been to some pretty special places and met some pretty special people. I hope we can catch you all on the next podcast. So I'm Cody Gearin. Good night, Australia. <laughs> Cheers for that, Cody. And uh, yeah, bye from me and bye from Matt. And thank you all for listening. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed our discussions and gained valuable insights into the world of hunting, fishing and the outdoors. To stay connected with us and never miss out on an update, please be sure to follow us on social media, all at Hunting Connection Podcast. We appreciate your support and would love for you to share the podcast with your friends and family. Don't forget to tag us in your hunting photos on social media and let us know about your experiences. Your feedback is invaluable to us, so please take a moment to subscribe, rate and review the podcast. Together, we continue growing and delivering more captivating episodes for all hunting enthusiasts. Stay connected, stay informed and keep pursuing your passion for the hunt. Until next time, happy hunting.